0: Let me just jump right in and begin by painting a picture for you. Uh, Pretend that you are about to go over to a friend's house for dinner, and they tell you that they have big news that they want to share with you. You're excited, and you get everything ready, and you get a dessert that you prepare to share, and you head over there early in the evening. You know, you knock on the door, and as you walk into their house, you notice that things are a little different. The house has been rearranged. There are dressers and cabinets that are bolted to the wall. The corners of end tables have been padded with foam, you know, and there are plastic covers on the outlets, and there is a gate restricting your access to their stairs. A room uh, room that was once an office is now gutted, and the smell of fresh paint permeates the entire house. So it doesn't take long for you to digest this information and know before it's even announced what your friend's big news is. They're getting a dog! (laughs) Just kidding. And believe it or not, there's a surprising number of photos on the internet of dogs wearing diapers. And isn't that a great picture? That one was my favorite. And I scrolled through enough of them for it to be a little creepy. Um, But hey, I know some people who, you know, they will go to some pretty great lengths for their pets. Um, but no, that's not the big news. The big news is that they're having a baby. And so my sister and brother-in-law actually had a baby just a few months ago. And I'm officially Uncle Bobby, and I cannot wait to meet my nephew, Josiah. And I was just going to say, let's all let's just all say it together. Ready? Ah, thank you. So Josiah is discovering new things every single day. Day And it's crazy how you can see a transformation in a child as they start realizing they have things like arms and legs. And and you can just see they're becoming more self-aware before your very eyes. While my nephew is discovering new things about himself and this world around him every single day, so are my sister and brother-in-law. They've had to learn how to completely change their schedules. They've had to reprioritize their whole lives. And they are learning how to change diapers and take care of another human being. And they are learning new things about their son and themselves through it every single day. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing the church of Corinth to try to reconcile a relationship that has gone a little south This is Paul's second letter to them. And in his first letter, a lot of his work was to mend the relationship of those within the church. You know, there were people who were blatantly sinning. There were people who were showing each other up and bragging about their spiritual gifts. They were being selfish and picking sides of leaders to follow. And Paul was trying to unite a church that was in disarray. In his second letter, however, things have gotten even worse. The church that was once disunited has now become united, united against Paul. And in this letter, Paul has gone from trying to reconcile relationships of those within the church to trying to reconcile his relationship with the church and to reconcile their relationship with God. And that's where we find ourselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you'd like to turn there. In the midst of talking about Christ and his work on the cross, Paul takes a moment to remind the Corinthians that their lives aren't the same now that they know Christ. The hostility they are having, the way they are behaving, is reflecting the old world and their old life. Paul takes a moment in the middle of his letter to remind the church who they are in Christ and what they are supposed to do because of their relationship with him. They are a new creation reborn, and they are living in a new world, a world where Christ is king. And they are to be His ministers, messengers, and ambassadors of this good news. The old has gone, and the new has come. So let's read together. Let's stand and read together uh, from Second Corinthians 16 through two. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I just thank you for the work that you've done on the cross, and that through it, through your resurrected life, that we are now a part of the new creation. And I just pray that you will challenge us today, that you will put a word in our heart, that you will soften our hearts, that as you challenge us, that we will yield ourselves to your spirit according to your will. I just pray that you will open our eyes to this scripture. Let it illuminate before us, that we can apply it uh, to our everyday lives. For your word is like a double-edged sword. Lord God, we just thank you and we pray that you will be with us today as we learn about this new creation of reconciliation in your name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So like I said earlier, I have an older sister who just had a baby, but what I didn't tell you is when we were younger, uh, she used to con me into doing weird and embarrassing things that I thought were normal. And how many of you do you have a sibling, or maybe you are the sibling who does that? Yeah, Ryan, yeah, I, I figured you would raise your hand. It's makes sense. So, you know, there was a good period of time whenever I was uh, around eight or nine uh, where we used to sing a duet to the song A Whole New World from the movie Aladdin. <laughs> I can show you the world. I know the whole thing, so don't, don't, don't call me out. So, uh, we actually had a cassette tape of all the Disney hits at the time, and uh, we would sing in the car, and I remember we used to go back and forth being Aladdin and Jasmine, And, um, oh, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, um, a cassette tape is this little plastic box that plays music, and you put it in this thing called a cassette player um, to make it work. And, uh, yeah, so in uh, in this chapter of 2 Corinthians, Paul is taking the Corinthian church on a magic carpet ride, and he's showing them the new world that they have now that they're in Christ. And when we read this chapter, some people's translations might say, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. But that isn't necessarily accurate. The actual Greek is way more nuanced and ambiguous. It actually says, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. Paul is showing the Corinthians that they are, uh, that not just that they are reborn, but when they were reborn, they were brought into a whole new world. They are a new creation and now are a part of the new creation. They are now a part of the kingdom of God. So Paul opens up the text here by saying that we no longer should see anyone the way that we used to. When we begin to follow Christ, our perspective needs to change. Paul even says that we used to see Christ this way. The Jewish people used to think their Messiah would come and be a warrior. They thought he would come and deliver the people from their uh, physical bondage brought on by the Roman Empire. They were looking through only a physical perspective of who he was. And some people still look at Christ this way. They think that Jesus was a great humanitarian or a spectacular teacher, but they ignore the fact that he called himself God. They try not to think of the sacrifice he made on the cross or that he is resurrected and is seated today at the throne of at the right hand of God. Before I had a relationship with Jesus, I actually viewed him this way too. I couldn't fully grasp who he was. And I thought I was a good person and that would get me into heaven. I thought, you know, good grades um, and, and listening to my parents would get me through. And I didn't really know why I needed a Savior. I didn't understand why Jesus was Lord. I just knew I was supposed to follow him. And it wasn't until I got in trouble with the law and was confronted with my sin that I realized how much I needed a savior. And it was at that moment that the veil was lifted and I could see who Jesus really was. And sometimes even Christians look at Jesus for what they can get out of following him, right? You know, they look at him like a slot machine or a fortune teller, or sometimes we only follow him when things are going well for us. Yes, thank you, Jesus! Or even worse, you know, we look at things of this world and we put our hope in those things instead of him. We look, at, uh, we look for happiness in money or power or even putting our faith in a political party. But Paul is telling us in the Corinthians not to look at this way, uh, the world this way, any longer. Not to look at Christ this way, not to look at other Christians this way. When Christ came, he ushered God's kingdom on earth. That is why Paul is saying that if anyone is in Christ, he is part of a new creation. He is part of the new creation where Christ is king, where heaven meets earth. And to be in Christ is to be part of a new world order. Just as my sister's world changed when she had a baby, my a Christian's world uh, changes when they accept Christ. Things that were once a burden we now receive with joy. Things that once made us miserable, we now look forward to. People who we once despised, we now love. Serving and giving are now a way to help bring heaven to earth. But to be reborn also means that once was, now needs to be put to death. Citizens can't pledge their allegiance to two nations who are at war. There was actually a person who tried to do that one time. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Benedict Arnold. Citizens of heaven can't have an allegiance to the world. We shouldn't be seeing how close we can get to crossing the fence. We definitely shouldn't be walking the fence. But we should have the freedom in Christ to walk as freely and far away from that fence as possible. But this doesn't mean You know, not listening to secular music. This doesn't mean voting Republican, unplugging our TV, or homeschooling our children. And those things aren't bad, but giving your allegiance to Jesus means giving him priority. And for some people, that means they no longer will listen to secular music. And for some people, that means not spending money on things that don't matter in the scope of eternity. But this also doesn't mean hating those who are still in the world. When we cast a false judgment on certain things of the world, we forget that we are trying to save the very people who are living, residing, and pledging their allegiance to that world. But some of you may ask, well, what world are we being uh, reborn into? What does this new creation look like? And Paul says to the Corinthians that this new world is a world of reconciliation. Before Christ came to earth, the world had never truly seen reconciliation. And that's why the idea was foreign to the Corinthians. They had lived for centuries, for centuries, focusing solely on themselves. They did whatever they wanted to and thought because they could do something, it meant that they should do it. And Paul wrote them in his first letter about being reconciled to each other. And now he is writing them here trying to reconcile his own relationship with them. But there's something really profound about this reconciliation, and it's that God was the one who initiated it. And this is profound because God was the one who was hurt. We weren't the ones that came to God. We were the ones who ate the apple. We were the ones that sinned against him. We had fallen, and God had every right to allow us to die in our sins and trespasses. But God offered us an olive branch instead. Though we were against him, he still initiated his peace treaty because he sent his son Jesus, who was born of a virgin, to innocently die a sinner's death on a cross. God sent his son as a perfect peace treaty. And it was through us killing him that we now have peace with God. That's why Paul says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so when someone wrongs us, we expect them to come to us. We will only forgive them if they come to us and apologize. But God instead sent his son and forgave us. All we have to do is accept what he has already offered through his son. If we are in Christ, we are a part of a new creation. We are the righteousness of God, meaning that we are in a right relationship with, us, uh, with him. Jesus took the punishment of our guilty verdict that we were sinners and now we are free to go, free to be part of the kingdom of God. We now follow King Jesus and our citizens of heaven. So let's take a second and look at all the different proclamations that Paul says that we are now that we are a part of this new world. And let's read them together. We are a new creation. We are given the ministry of reconciliation. Our sins aren't counted against us. We are committed with the message of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are the righteousness of God. We are God's co-workers. Those are just a few of the benefits of being reborn into this new world of Christ's kingdom. As citizens of this new world, we are to be reconciled to God We are to be reconciled to one another, and we are to bring God's reconciliation, his message of reconciliation, to the world. Paul says that we have a ministry of reconciliation. We carry the message of reconciliation, and we are ambassadors of God's reconciliation. First, Paul says that if we are in Christ, we now have the ministry of reconciliation. The word minister in Greek is actually the same word that is used for a house servant. So Paul isn't just saying that we have a ministry of reconciliation, but he's saying what that ministry is. It's a ministry marked by service. Paul is taking an old word that represented oppression and opposition, and he is redeeming it. We are no longer slaves to sin, but we are now servants of Christ. But what does this look like for each of us individually to have a ministry of reconciliation, Well, first of all, it's about actions more than it's about beliefs or intentions. We can say or believe anything we want about reconciliation or about this new world that we're living in. But if we aren't actually bringing God's kingdom to earth, then we aren't being servants of Christ. Saying you're following someone is a lot different than actually following them. So for me, whenever I think of what it means to bring God's reconciliation to earth, I think of three things. One is that we bring heaven to the hells on earth. And I think C.T. Studd said it best when he said that some want to live within the sound of a church or a chapel bell. But I want to open a rescue shop within a yard of hell. I had a student once in my young adults ministry that went to a very, very, very liberal university. The university's biggest club was their Equality Club, and they actually had a day each year where students were allowed to walk around naked to promote body positivity. In the student handbook, it actually said that all clothing besides underwear was optional. And in the middle of this college, were four of the students that were in my young adults ministry. Instead of seeing this college as probably the greatest mission field in their area, they saw it as a place they merely took classes. They didn't make any friends. They didn't talk to other students. No matter how hard I tried to get them into sharing uh, the gospel and loving people on their campus, they refused to have anything to do with it. They didn't see it from God's perspective. They they were still looking at their school through their earthly perspective. They were looking at it for the sin that was in it and not um, for what God could do through them. And some of you may be in a similar situation. You may go to school with kids who swear like sailors. Uh, You may go to work with people who lie about their hours and make your work miserable. And for some of you, especially if you're being influenced by these people, you need to get out of those situations. For some of you, you need to be bringing the ministry of reconciliation to them. You need to be modeling Christ to them. You need to bring heaven to the hells on earth. Another way to live out the ministry of reconciliation is to love the unlovable, and to me, this doesn't just mean loving people who you personally can't stand, um, but it means finding people who society has rejected, and we um, we are to find those who the rest of the world have forgotten. So, who do you work with? Who people make fun of, or or who do you work with? Who people actually ignore? Who do you go to school with who sits alone at lunch or walks alone down the hallway? What well, people in our area are left to fend for themselves? When I was in college, the group that was forgotten on our campus were the nerds, Revenge of the Nerds. And there was a small but loyal group of guys who would get together every week and play dungeons and dragons in one of the dorm rooms. And they uh, would watch marathons of the Lord of the Rings movies. And, and they were fluent in the language of comic books and video games. And trust me, there is a language of comic books and video games. Um, they would go to meetups, and they would actually fight each other with foam swords. And that is a true statement. They really did that, and they were in their 20s. See no one really cared for them at our school, um, but when I became a resident assistant, all the nerds fled to my hall because i uh because they knew that I cared about them. I took interest in their lives and you know I actually cared about them and um and I took uh, interest in their lives because they were my friends. And even though I didn't play D&D and uh, only watched comic book movies and didn't actually read any of the books, uh, they welcomed me as one of their own because I welcomed them. And I'm still friends with a lot of them today. See, it's not hard to say, uh, to say hi to someone at church who is alone or to ask how they're doing. And it doesn't take much to ask someone to lunch after service. It isn't hard to ask a coworker to lunch either. You just say, hey, you want to go to such-and-such such for lunch? As a cup, um, ask a couple over for dinner. Plan a play date with your kids. Ask a family over to play cards. You'd be shocked to find out how easy it is to find common ground with people. There are so many excuses we can come up with that will include people and love them. But it takes us being intentional. Loving the unlovable means seeking them out. The last way that we can live out the ministry of reconciliation is to go to war to bring others peace. There are great ministries that do this. They put their comfort aside in order to bring comfort and restoration to others. Reconciliation is about being at peace with God. So what are we willing to do to share that peace with others? And for some, it's not getting coffee in order to support a missionary. For others, it means serving at the Muskegon Rescue Mission to help bring stability to people whose lives are riddled with instability. For some, it might be to volunteer at the pregnancy center so that young women will have more support going into motherhood. My wife, Kyle, works at Love Inc. uh, of the Tri-Cities, and I love that she wages war every day to bring peace to people in our community. Going to war to bring others peace means that we are willing to go into others' mess so that they can get cleaned up. There are people who are out there that need support, they need help, and instead of helping, we are on the sidelines wondering why they can't get their act together. We need to strive to not judge those who are hurting. We need to put our comfort aside and share the gospel with people so that they can experience the comfort of being at peace with God. That those who are in the new world also carry with them the message of reconciliation, that message of peace. The message of reconciliation, plain and simple, is the message of the gospel. And last week, Pastor Jeff actually shared uh, the most concise scripture of what the gospel is. And it's in Mark 115 where Jesus says, The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Paul repeats that same idea here in this verse. He says, The new world of reconciliation is here. Stop living in the old way of life. Jesus' ministry ushered in the kingdom of God. His death and resurrection sealed his defeat over death, hell, and the grave. Now the old world ruled by sin is in submission to the lordship of Christ. This leads to a good point. The ministry of reconciliation isn't that people should be reconciled to God. My main responsibility as a pastor isn't to tell people that they should accept Jesus. If me or Pastor Ben or Pastor Pete can talk someone into believing in Jesus, then trust me, someone can just as easily talk them out of believing in him. Our main responsibility as pastors and all of our main responsibility as Christians is to share with people who Jesus is, what he did, and what that means to us. God created us in his own likeness. We were made faultless, but instead of trusting in him, we took matters into our own hands. The life that humankind had was laid aside for the world we now live in, a world filled with lust and greed and war and hunger. We went to war against God when we decided we could do it on our own but despite our rebellion, God sent his son so that we could be forgiven of our sins and given eternal life. That is the gospel. That is the good news. To tell someone that they should believe in it, that isn't good news. That's good advice. Those who trust in him give him their allegiance as Lord of this world and the Lord of their lives. For that reason, that we are reborn into his kingdom. And that's why we are his servants and ambassadors of reconciliation. To be an ambassador of reconciliation means that we are God's mouthpiece. We are heralds and representatives to mankind. But it isn't our relationship with Christ that gives us authority to be ambassadors. What gives us authority is the message of reconciliation that we carry. We are mere servants carrying a message sealed with the stamp of the Holy Spirit. And this whole world needs to hear that message. The gospel is a message sent by the king of kings himself. We don't need to be timid or afraid or ashamed of who we are in Christ. We are his representatives here on earth. We are an extension of Jesus Christ because we are continuing the message of reconciliation. We are literally called Christ's body. Think of how amazing that is. And in 2 Corinthians 6, 1, Paul even has the boldness to call us God's coworkers. We are getting the word out that there is a new king in this kingdom. And there is a whole new world to be reborn into. Paul ends the scripture uh, by saying that now is the time to act. And some of you may be thinking, why is this message of reconciliation important? And Paul answers that question here. In chapter 6, verse 2, Paul says that today is the day of salvation. Theologian Ralph Martin says that the present is both the right time for us to act for God and the right time for God to act on earth. Paul is saying that this world has been waiting for Christ to come since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. Ever since the birth of creation, mankind has been waiting to hear the message of reconciliation and has been waiting to enter the new creation and 2000 years later the urgency to act is still present the corinthians understood what paul meant here for the early church and today we don't fully have salvation we have what's called the assurance of salvation and we can reap in some of the benefits of that assurance The salvation process has begun in us, but we don't fully receive our salvation until Christ comes back to take reign of this new world. The new creation has begun in us, but we won't fully receive it until Jesus returns. We will receive our salvation when Christ says, well done, good and faithful servant. Until then, we have the assurance that we will receive eternal life because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So when Paul says today is the day of salvation, they know exactly what he's saying. He's saying that we need to act as though heaven is already present on earth. We need to live as though Jesus has already returned to restore his kingdom. We need to walk in this whole new world as we watch the old world around us crumble under the dominion and lordship of Christ. We can't put this off. We need to live with the full understanding that Christ wins in the end. We don't need to fear death because Jesus defeated death. We don't need to lay into submission of the values of this world because our value is in him. All we need to do is follow him. When I thought of this, ironically enough, I thought of the sitcom Seinfeld. Um, Seinfeld is my family's favorite, favorite, favorite show. My family can actually quote Seinfeld like a nerd can quote Star Trek. So there is an episode of Seinfeld um, where George's dad, George is one of the main characters, where his dad went to counseling to deal with some anger issues he had, and uh, you see George's dad wasn't good with handling stress, and he was known in the show for his random acts and his random outbursts. So the therapy, uh, the therapist he went to. Uh, Gave him a simple remedy uh, to help him calm down in those situations. When he felt angry or stressed or wanted to have an outburst, he would yell the words, Serenity now. Can we all do it together? Serenity now! Makes you feel better, right? So, um, however, that didn't work out too well for him on the show. He ended up bottling up all of his anger and stress, and it ended up imploding. And even though serenity now didn't work out so well in the show, it shook something up in my spirit. That any time we see someone standing alone, any time we feel the urge to share the gospel with someone, instead of allowing fear to creep in, we need to say, salvation is now. It's not something for a later day or another time. It's not something just for those living 2,000 years ago. Today is the day of salvation because salvation is now. When I first started going to church, I was the only person in my family who went. I ended up being uh, actually the first person in my family saved. And so for a while, a family in my church, the brother's family, gave me a ride to youth group every week. But for years, for years before that, I actually used to pick on their son Justin every day on the school bus. I was mean to him. I made fun of him and called him names. And the only time I said anything to him at all, it was an insult. And so it would have been easy for his parents Uh, to decide not to give me a ride to church. I mean, I didn't deserve to ride in the same car as their son. They knew I picked on him. And yet, instead of judging me, instead of seeing me for who I was, they saw me through God's eyes. They were living in a whole new world. And because they were a part of this new world, the decision was easy for them. They would give me a ride to church. They would show me what it was like to feel welcome somewhere for the first time. Salvation is now. It was hard for me to fit in at school, but I was welcomed at church. I was instantly a part of their church family before I even made a decision to follow Jesus. And it was because of that love that I kept going to church. I saw a glimpse of what the new world looked like and it was in a kid I sat behind on bus 8 in the 7th grade. We need to die to ourselves so that Christ can live in us. We need to live as though Christ is the king of our lives and help bring his kingdom to earth. Let's say it together again. Salvation is now. We carry the ministry of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation, and we are ambassadors of God's reconciliation. So what are we going to do to bring heaven to earth? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we just thank you for your work on the cross, that because of your death and your resurrection, we have new life. We are a part of the new creation, and we are being reborn into your likeness each and every day. And we just pray that you will just help us along this way. Help us to live more sacrificially. Help us to bring heaven to the hells on earth. Help us to love the unlovable. Help us to wage war in order to bring others peace. Let us lay our comfort aside so that people will know the comfort of knowing you. So they'll know the comfort of being at peace with you and having a relationship with you. Give us boldness as we go forth in your name. With everyone's head still bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're here and you've heard this good news of who Christ is and and now you want to be part of this new world. You want to be a new creation and accept Jesus as as Lord and Savior. If that's you, I just just want to ask you, would you raise your hand? Maybe you're here and you've been reborn. You've made that confession, but you still haven't given your allegiance fully to Jesus. You haven't let your old self and your old ways die are still looking at the world from your old perspective. You've been reborn but haven't realized that you've been born into a new world. If that's you, would you raise your hand? You can put your hands down. And maybe you're here and you've done all this, but you haven't done anything to bring the message of the new creation to those around you or maybe it's been months or even years since you've shared the gospel with anyone or served anywhere outside of church. Maybe you've gotten comfortable and you want to start living more sacrificially. If that's you, would you want to raise your hand? Yes, Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, just help us today. For those of us who are living in the old world, just continually remind us who we are in you, that the old world and its old ways are fading away, and we are now a part of the new creation, and we put our allegiance fully in you. I pray that this won't look like a set of rules to us, but it will look like a way for us to follow you as king of this world and king of our lives. I pray for those of us who need help bringing this new creation into our world, those of us who need help sharing the gospel, those of us who need to bring this ministry of reconciliation to the world. I pray that you will give us boldness, that you will remind us that salvation is now, that people need to hear the message, and that we can have boldness because you are on our side as the King of kings and the Lord of lords pray that our fear would be in submission to you. I pray that you will open our eyes to see people who are in need, that you will open our eyes to see opportunities where we could share your love and share the message of your cross to our loved ones, to our family members, maybe even to strangers behind us in line um, at the fast food place. Help us as we are being reborn to let heaven come. Like that song said, let heaven come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us today in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's just stand and have a prayer of benediction. Dear Jesus, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word that is powerful. I just pray that you will go before us, behind us, and all around us this week and challenge us to apply what we've learned today. Let it not just be something that we believe, but something we put into practice. And we give it all to your glory, all in your honor. It's in your name we pray. Amen.